Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. Notice what he says concerning Jesus Christ. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I never cease to be amazed at the way Paul put these words together and how awesome they are together. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. Somebody say all. All that we can ask, all that we can think, according to the power that worketh in us. There's a power in this house this morning. I said, there's a power in this house this morning. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. And when we allow that power to begin to work in us, awesome things happen in the house of the Lord. I'm expecting awesome things to happen this morning. How about you? Praise the Lord. Can you raise your hands with me and ask the Lord to bless us our time together. Jesus, we thank you again for your presence. We thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us. God, the privilege that we have to come together and worship in your name. God, we thank you for your blessings and we thank you for your word. I'm asking that you would anoint our time together, Lord. Anoint my lips of clay. God, allow me to speak the words that you have given to your people and God, that they could hear and Lord to to be touched to be stirred and to respond to your word because you are in this house today and you have come to do a work in our midst and Lord we say have your perfect way today do the work Lord do your will today in our house in Jesus name we give you praise amen amen God bless you and you may be seated My subject this morning, with the help of the Lord, is three simple questions. Three simple questions. When we read this verse of Scripture, and I know that many of you, especially those that have been around for a while, you have read this Scripture so many times and perhaps have heard it preached uh, so many times. And, but yet sometimes I think we, we fail to fully appreciate exactly what it is that the Apostle Paul is telling us today. He's simply saying that you and I are in the presence of someone this morning uh, who can do absolutely anything, absolutely everything for absolutely anybody. I think that deserves a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. You and I are in the presence of a God that 
can. Amen. Whatever the situation may be, whatever the circumstances are in your life, whatever dark clouds may be looming over your head, friend, let me tell you, you are in the right place at the right time because Jesus is here and with him nothing is impossible. I said there's nothing impossible with our God. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you have a God like that? Sometimes we take it for granted. But there's a lot of people in this world that have gods. And some of them are more faithful to their God than we are sometimes to our God. Hello? I have watched them. I have seen people get on their hands and knees uh, and crawl in the gravel uh, to get to the feet uh, of an idol that they call God. Uh, I have per- personally witnessed uh, the blood stains that were left there uh, in the gravel uh, as a sign of their sacrifice, uh, trying to appease a God uh, that cannot hear them uh, and ca- cannot help them. Uh, and they're so hungry. Uh, they're wanting to find answers. Uh, they have many needs just like you and I have, uh, but yet they have a God that just can't. Think about it. You come here today and you have a need in your life. And what would it be like if you were to step forward and and bring your need forward when we give an invitation and and pastor come down and say, what what is it that we're praying with you about, uh, for you about this morning? You explain your need to pastor and he says, can't go there. Sorry, we can't help you. Uh, our, our God doesn't deal with that kind of situation. Our God doesn't work in that area. Our God can't help that. As a matter of fact, uh, come to think of it, I don't know any God around that does help with that. Uh, you, you, you just don't. You're out of luck. There's no hope for you. Uh, how frustrating that would be uh, to come forward with a need uh, knowing that God's not going to be able to help you with that. Or what if you had a God that was just a specialist that could only do certain things at certain times? You ever wondered about that? What if you come to church on a Sunday morning and you have a splitting migraine headache and you need a touch of the Lord in your life? You need a healing touch and you come forward at the time of prayer. And they say, what are we praying with you about? And you say, I've got a headache. Feels like my head's coming apart. And pastor says, I'm sorry, today's not healing day. You want healing, you got to come on Wednesday. This is salvation day, or this is blessing day, or this is something else. You've got to come back at the right time, and you think, I don't know if I'm going to live to Wednesday. I don't know if I can make it that long. But, friend, the beautiful part of our God is it doesn't matter what your need is. It doesn't matter where you're at spiritually. God will meet you there at your need. And God will help you with whatever it is that you need. I'm thankful I've got a God like that. Oh, praise the Lord. I said, I'm thankful I've got a God like that. 
I've got a God that when I stand in his presence, I have witnessed so many times as he's healing that one of their infirmity. He's feeling, filling that one over there with his promise. And as he is encouraging that one, he is convicting that one. And he's working in our lives in whatever need we may have. Aren't you glad you've got a God like that? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And Jesus is in the house today. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Well, thank you, Lord. You've got a God that can do anything. And he said, Paul said, he will do that according to the power that worketh in us. Are there any Pentecostals in the house this morning? Anybody got the Holy Ghost around here? Praise the Lord. When we let that power loose, friend, and it begins to start working in our midst, great things happen. I said great things happen. I get, la- I get asked a lot as I travel. Brother Burgess, what's the biggest difference between North American church and church on the foreign field? And I've given it a lot of thought. And I've come to the simple conclusion, the biggest difference between North America, and please understand, I'm speaking in general terms. The biggest difference between the North American church and the foreign field is our understanding of the use of this altar right here. You see, we in North America have bought into the misconception that this altar area is only for problems. It's only for the sick or the sinner. But if everything is okay, then we don't come forward. Hmm? We have bought into that idea. And I've come to tell you with all due respect, that's a lie. This altar's the most important place in your life. Everything hinges around what happens in the altar, praise the Lord. And one of the beautiful things that I've noticed about foreign fields is that they understand what the altar is about. They understand it doesn't matter what happens in church. We're going to end it at the altar. This is where we're going to finish up. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday school seminar with just teachers. It doesn't matter if it's a marriage seminar with just couples. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday evangelistic service or if it's Wednesday night Bible study. Before we turn the lights off, we're going to have an altar call and everybody's going to come to the altar. Oh, praise the Lord. Because Paul said, according to the power that worketh in us. And the simple fact is, uh, everybody's needed at the altar. Uh, You are either here to receive, uh, or you're here to act as a conduit. uh, So the power of God uh, can flow through you uh, into somebody else. uh, And let the Holy Ghost minister to them. Uh, That's why we need everybody at the altar. Praise the Lord. I've thought about it a lot, brother. And I've come to the realization, and I may be wrong. I don't think so, but I I could possibly be. But in 26 years of missionary service now, I cannot recall one time 
that I ever preached on a foreign field where there were nobody came to the altar. I can't remember one. Don't ask me about deputation. <laughs> Talking about the foreign field. And I pray for the North American church. God help us get past that. God help us to get past that stigma. And some of us are guilty about that. Let me preach to you just for a moment. When some brave soul does finally step forward and come to the altar, how many of us are guilty of saying, hmm, wonder what they did. Wonder what's wrong with them. Or think, you know, she did look a bit pale. Hope she's not contagious. Huh? When the truth of the matter is, we all need to be up here. This is where it's at. This is the power source. This is where God refills us with His Spirit. This is where His Spirit flows through us. And Paul said, according to the power that worketh in us, I may not have a great need today, but I want to be a part of you receiving your need, your touch from the Lord. I want to be there when it happens. I want the Holy Ghost to flow through me and into you because that's what it's all about, Praise the Lord. According to the power that worketh in us. Amen. And not only is he able, I'm hurrying, but he is also willing. I said, you have a God that is willing. And trust me, there is a difference. There's a lot of people that can do great things, but they're not willing. Hello? Hello? And there's other people that are willing. They just don't have the resources. Some can and won't, and some want to and can't. But when you have a God, when you have someone that not only can, but he will, is not only able, but he's willing. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you got to take advantage of that this morning. Jesus is here, and he not only can help you, but he's wanting to help you. He's telling you, just like he told the leper, I will be thou clean. He says, I want to do. I've come to seek and to save the lost. I've come to help everybody. And he's here right now, and he's willing to touch you. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that this morning? But here we come to a problem. If he's able and if he's willing, then why doesn't he just do it? You wondered that? The Bible says he wants to, and the Bible says he can. So why doesn't he just do it? Or here's another question for you. Why does he do it for that one, but he doesn't do it for that one? Why does he feel this one, but he doesn't feel that one? How come that one is healed, but that one stays sick? And sometimes we ask ourselves these questions, and, and, and please understand, I'm not here to explain the, the ways of God. His ways are not our ways. Uh, there are things about him uh, that you and I will never comprehend uh, in this life. Uh, but there is one thing I know. God holds all of the answers. Uh, but oftentimes, my friend, uh, you and I walk around with the keys. Are you listening? 
I said, he has the answers, but you control your destiny. It's in your hands. You see, when God created man, he gave us our own will. That's what makes you and I different from all of the rest of nature. God gave man his own will. And God said, I'm never going to, to, to supersede the will of man. I will always respect it. He's God. He can do anything he wants. He can stomp us like a cockroach if he wanted to. But God said, no, I'm going to respect your will. I'm going to let you think you're in charge. I'm going to allow you to decide. And that's where, friend, these three simple questions come in. God wants to, and he can. But whether he does or not is up to you. You see, when you read the life of Christ, it's incredible how many times that Jesus, before he ever touched a person, before he ever healed a person, he would stop and ask them questions. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus liked to ask questions. He asked a lot of questions. Now, that's, a, that, that's an interesting fact in itself, knowing that he is God manifested in flesh. Simply put, he's God that descended down to earth, uh, robed in the flesh of man, uh, to come and dwell with us uh, and teach us. Are we in agreement with that? So as God, he's omniscient. As God, he already knows everything. There are no details of your life uh, that God doesn't already know. So why the questions? If he already had the answer, if he already knew what was going on in their lives, uh, why would he ask the question? Uh, and the simple conclusion is uh, the questions were never meant for him. The questions were meant for them. He didn't ask questions so that he could learn about you. He asked questions so that you could learn about you. The questions were not for his benefit. Uh, they were for their benefit uh, to help them understand, uh, hey, uh, I've got a problem uh, and he's got the answer. Uh, I've got to tell him. Uh, I've got to respond because he's here. And that's what makes these questions so important because I have come to the conclusion whenever you come into the presence of the Lord, the questions start coming. Hello? And if you're ever going to receive, hear me now, if you're ever going to receive something from Jesus, it's because you answered the questions. He doesn't touch people just cause. He is your Savior, but He is not an assaulter. He will help you, but He will not obligate you. He will stand at the door and knock every single moment of your life. But trust me when I tell you, He will never kick the door in. He will never make you accept Him. Are you hearing me? You've got to answer the questions. Now, there are many questions throughout the Scriptures 
that Jesus asked, but I want to focus in the next few minutes on three very simple questions. The first one is found in Mark chapter 10 and verse 51. It's the question that Jesus asked a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And when they brought Bartimaeus to him, before Jesus touched him, noticed the question that he asked him. He asked Bartimaeus, will, what will thou that I should do unto thee? Think about it for a moment. It's a blind man. This is the same blind man that just a couple of verses before was crying out so loud, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was crying out so loud that Jesus heard him over the roar of the multitude. Jesus stopped. He said, bring that man to me. And the Bible says they brought him. Bartimaeus didn't get there by himself. He's a blind man. So they bring Jesus to him. Everybody knew what Bartimaeus' problem was. You can't hide that. He's standing there in front of him. It's a blind beggar man. He's been crying out for help. Jesus doesn't touch him. Jesus doesn't speak to his need. He just asked a question. He said, what will thou that I should do unto thee? In other words, what would you like me to do for you? Hello? Let me tell you, somebody here today, with all due respect, you may think your need is obvious, and it very well may be. You may know and he believe that he knows everything about you, and that is the truth. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. But you still have to answer the question. He's still going to ask you, what would you like me to do for you? And friend, hear me now, you can stand here and you can cry and you can go through a whole box of tissues just crying and crying and weeping and sobbing and nothing's going to happen until you answer the question. Are you with me? He's not going to force you to receive a miracle. He's not going to force you to receive salvation. He's simply sitting there and he's saying, what would you like me to do for you? And you can stand there and weep and cry and sob and just think about it and internalize it and dwell on it all you want to. Or... You can simply answer the question. And when Bartimaeus said that I might receive my sight, the Bible says immediately Jesus touched him and he received his sight. Your miracle is right there. You've just got to answer the question. Oh, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. I'm not preaching anything off the wall right now. We're very much accustomed to this. In fact, in a few minutes, service will end, and many of you will end up in a restaurant. What's going to happen when you get there? You sit at the table. They bring you a menu. Sooner or later, friend, they're going to ask a question. What can I serve you today? Now, you can cop an attitude if you want to. 
you can refuse to answer. I mean, after all, it is a restaurant. Apparently, they serve food. Hello. I'm hungry. I'm in a restaurant. That ought to be good enough. No, 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 no. No, you've just done part of it. You can sit there with that attitude all you want to, sweetheart. You're going to be hungry until you answer the question. And when you answer the question, brother, you place that order. Isn't it amazing how quick the food comes? You just got to tell them what you want. And, friend, it's really that simple with Jesus. I see so many precious saints, and, and sometimes as a pastor, I have to tell you, it frustrates me sometimes because you go to them. And I've told people, I've gone and I've whispered in their ear, and I've said, dear sister, hear me. You've got to talk to Jesus. You've got to tell him what you want. You've got to make your petition known. And they nod their head, but they just keep on crying. And nothing happens. And then I've watched people come in off the street, brother. They have absolutely no Pentecostal background. They don't even know how many gods there are. They don't even know what Pentecost is. They have absolutely, they're clueless. And they come forward. And there's something that sparks and says, I can ask him and he'll help me. I want this. And boom. Because they answered the question. How many want to answer the question this morning? Praise the Lord. Question number two is also a very important question. Found in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 28. It's the question that Jesus asked two blind men that came to him. Notice they came to him. Just like Bartimaeus, they had a need. They sought out Jesus because they knew that he had the answer. And yet there they stand before him. And before Jesus touches them, he asks them this very important question. He asks them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Before he touched them, he wanted to hear it from them. Do you believe I can help you with this? Notice what happens next. They replied to him, yes. We believe. And Jesus answered back to them, According to your faith, let it be done to you. (coughs) Remember what I said earlier. He has the answers, but you hold the keys. Now let's change that verse just for a moment. Let's suppose that one of them would have said, No. There's two guys standing there. And he says, do you believe I can heal you? This one says, yes. This one says, no. The words of Jesus would have not changed to either one of them. He would have said to the one that said, yes, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. Boom, he would have received his miracle. And to the one that said no, he would have said exactly the same thing. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. You decide. His answer would have never changed. Have you recognized, friend, that your doubt can stop your miracle dead in its tracks? 
I don't think we understand just how powerful doubt is. But doubt can stop a miracle. Unbelief can stop a miracle in our midst. When we say, no, I really don't believe. I recognize I have a problem. I recognize that he's powerful. I recognize that I need help. But I really don't think he can help me. According to your faith, let it be unto you. Bible says that when Jesus went to Nazareth, he didn't do many miracles. You know why? Not because he was having a bad day. Because they didn't believe. I'm here to challenge somebody today. Your doubt can put handcuffs on a move of God in your life. Hello? Psalm 78 talks about Israel limiting God. They limited God by unbelief. They did not believe that God could help them. And they were right because of doubt. I don't want to be, ever be guilty of losing my miracle because I couldn't answer the question correctly. But I stand here today and I challenge you. Whatever your need may be, I don't know what's going on in your life, but whatever that need is, my friend, the question is simple. Do you believe that Jesus can help you with that? Do you believe that he has the answer? It's in your hands. You have to answer that question. You have to decide for yourself. I can't answer it for you, but when you say, yes, I believe, you open the door for a miracle today. Can we give him another hand clap of praise? And I finish check, question number three. John chapter 5 and verse 6. It's the question that Jesus asked the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Before Jesus touched him, he asked him this question. Will thou be made whole? In other words, do you want me to heal you? Now think about it just for a moment. Bear with me. Give me five more minutes. This man is a lame man camped out at Bethesda. The Bible says Bethesda was a pool. I don't understand all of it. But every once in a while, an angel would come by and he would trouble the waters of the pool. And the Bible says all that were sick and lame, if they could get into the waters that were troubled, they would be healed. Is that not correct? So you have a lame man camping out by the pool. Logic says he's waiting on a miracle. But you know something? Things aren't always as they appear. Hello? And if anybody knows that better than Jesus, <laughs> things don't always, they're not always as they look. So rather than just take it for granted that the lame man was there for a miracle, he asked him the question, do you want to be healed? 
Brother, there are some people in this world that don't want help. There are some people that don't want healing. There are those that do not want to be delivered from their addictions and their lifestyles. I hate to say it, but it's the honest truth. You cannot help someone that does not want to be helped. I've found in ministry you can't, you can't cast out a devil when they're in love with their demons. But I also found out in Scripture that they can have legions of demons But when they want to kneel at his feet, there ain't a devil in hell that can stop them. Hello? And therefore, the question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be helped? Stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed in in reverence of the presence of the Lord right now. Three simple questions. Number one, what do you want Jesus to do? What is it that you need today? As you're standing there this morning, I would encourage you to focus on that 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 thing that you need most. What is it that you need Jesus to do today? Then question number two, Do you really believe that he can help you? Do you really believe that he has the answer for your need today? And then that final question, would you like him to touch you? Do you want him to do a work in your life this morning? If your answer to question number three is yes, I really really want him to do something for me. Would you step out from where you're standing? Would you make your way forward to this altar? The church will follow in behind you. Let the power of God work through us for the next few minutes.